Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially about the world, everything that's in it, and far beyond. Joseph Kursky here, geographer and educator, your host. Thanks for joining us. Today's edition is about Zheng He, Z-H-E-N-G-H-E, Zheng He, voyaging from east to west. Zheng He, voyaging from east to west. More than 60 years before the voyages of Columbus, Zheng He, 1371 to 1433, or 1435, sailed distances greater than any recorded before his time. Not only did he sail from China to the east coast of Africa, India, and the Middle East, but he did so over seven different voyages spanning 28 years. He did so with larger ships and fleets than the world had ever known. Yet his voyages were barely known to the world until recent years. Zheng He was a explorer, diplomat, and fleet admiral during the period of the early Ming Dynasty, M-I-N-G Dynasty in China, a period of growing interest in the outside world. As a boy with the name of Ma He, M-A-H-E, he was taken prisoner at the age of 10 when Ming forces invaded his hometown of Yunnan, Y-U-N-N-A-N, in southwestern China. Yet he won favor with the emperor and, for his loyalty, was given increasingly responsible tasks. By the time he was 34 in 1405, Emperor Zhu Di, Z-H-U-D-I, known as the Yongle Emperor, assigned him the task of leading a fleet of ships down the coast of China and then across to India. The emperor had a keen desire to show the world the power of China, explore new lands, and establish trade relationships. For the first voyage, the emperor could have also been on a quest to capture his escaped predecessor to the throne. Appearing in foreign lands with hundreds of large ships and thousands of soldiers forced the native people in those lands to make a decision, engage in military conflict, or offer gifts and tribute and sending emissaries to pay their respects to the emperor. Typically, facing the serious force that Hay's ships and soldiers represented, you can imagine, the native people chose the latter. Only three times did Hay's forces encounter serious armed resistance. At times on the voyages, Zheng Hay and his men deposed the current ruler and installed one of their own choice, such as in Sri Lanka in 1409-1411. In Sumatra in 1414, the Chinese captured a pretender to one of the local rulers and sent him back to Nanjing, where he was executed. These types of actions and the fear and respect the tales of these actions caused ensured a steady stream of tribute brought to the Ming court from the newly installed Chinese rulers. But by and large, Zheng He's missions were peaceful and his voyages marked the beginning of diplomatic missions, 90 in all, during the period of Emperor Zhu Di alone. The starting point for all of the voyages was, was the shipyards of Nanjing. From there, ships sailed down the Yangtze River to the East China Sea, south along China's east coast, and from there to Vietnam and Java. They explored Thailand and Brunei. Even the first voyage was impressive. 317 ships, 28,000 men, plus their arms and supplies. Several massive treasure ships accompanying the voyages, approximately 122 meters long by 49 meters wide, 
that is longer than a standard American football field or a standard soccer field. Nine masts flew over them and they were five times larger than the Portuguese carvels of the time. For example, the ones used by Prince Henry the Navigator. Horses were stowed below decks for the cavalry and soil was kept on deck for growing vegetables. Hmm, fascinating. Sprouts from soya beans and citrus helped protect the sailors from scurvy. Semi-submersible sea anchors could be thrown over in a storm to reduce rolling. As the square bow pitched in heavy seas, water was funneled into the ship, later to be drained out, subduing the pitching motion. Can you imagine seeing one of these things along a coast? You're just along the, you know, walking along the beach, and all of a sudden you see in the distance this big fleet of these humongous ships. What a sight that would have been. Zheng He's first voyage, 1405 to 1406, and second voyage, 1407-1409, stopped at Vietnam, Java, and the northern coast of Sumatra. From there, just south of present-day Singapore, they both traveled through the Strait of Malacca between Malaysia and Sumatra. From the Song Dynasty, there was already a substantial Chinese population in Malacca. Once through the strait, the ships sailed west to Sri Lanka and India, or as it was known then, Calicut, the great country of the Western Ocean. The third voyage, 1409 to 1411, focused on Malacca and Sri Lanka. The fourth voyage reached Hormuz between present-day Iran and the United Arab Emirates and Oman, an important junction where caravan trade from the Middle East met the sea trade from the Indian Ocean. A surviving log of the seventh voyage indicates that 100 days of sailing was required to reach India from China. Zheng He's seventh voyage reached Mombasa in present-day Kenya on the east coast of Africa. This was another significant accomplishment as the distance by sea totaled over 11,000 kilometers one way. A side trip by the historian of the fleet named Ma Huan, M-A-H-U-A-N, journeyed all the way up the Red Sea from Aden and across the mountains to Mecca on the Arabian Peninsula. Zheng He himself had probably stayed behind in India, but died on the return voyage and was buried, as you would expect, at sea. Zheng He's accomplishments did not happen overnight. They were based on developments perfected from the Song Dynasty a few hundred years earlier, not the least of which were gunpowder and shipbuilding. Furthermore, Chinese maps by the time of Zheng He had become quite detailed, indicating that the voyagers had a good idea of where they were going even before they set out. Still, they were greatly aided by the magnetic compass, which was in wide use in China by then. Given all that Zheng He accomplished, it is curious that his voyages were not followed up by at least a successor with additional ambitions or at the most expanded trade routes and perhaps even the establishment of Chinese colonies. However, much of the rest of the Ming period was marked by isolationism, evidenced in part by a Portuguese presence in Macau beginning in 1557 that the Chinese were not able to repel. And why did Hay's voyages not receive attention until recently? The answer may be this simple. Chinese officials dismantled the fleet after the deaths of Hay and Yongle, and in 1529 destroyed the records of the voyages. Hmm. This could have been due to the isolationist feelings that had begun to take hold. Perhaps, maintaining the fleet while fighting expensive wars against the Vietnamese and the Mongols, and moving the capital from Nanjing to Beijing, had compromised the treasury of the Ming dynasty. 
Whatever the reasons, the voyages of the treasure ships came to an end. The results of the voyages of Zheng He and those of Christopher Columbus could not have been more different. Zheng He had thousands of ships, Columbus just three. Yet Columbus's voyages sparked additional voyages, such as Magellan and others, colonialism and trade, while after He, China entered a long period of isolationism. Still, the impact on geographic thinking and cultural geography of He's voyages was significant. It spread information about the lands, plants, animals, and people of Asia to Africa, the Middle East, and Europe, and vice versa. During the fourth voyage, for example, thousands of plants and hundreds of animals and human-made artifacts were shipped back to China. Ambassadors from those lands visited by the fleet traveled back to China as well. Can you imagine being one of those people, transported thousands of kilometers? No doubt, these were not isolated incidents. These spread knowledge about cultural and physical geography. Never before in the world had there been such voyages that lasted so long, involved as many people, sailed as far, involved such advanced ships, or carried such advanced navigation technologies. The accomplishments represented by Hayes' voyages sunk more and more into obscurity until the publication in 1904 of Biography of Our Homeland's Great Navigator Zheng He by the Chinese scholar Liang Qichao, Q-I-C-H-A-O. Shortly thereafter, in 1911, a stone tablet inscription in three languages, Chinese, Tamil, and Persian, erected in 1409 was discovered, signed by Zheng He himself as the, quote, Admiral of the Western Seas, end quote. The offerings to Buddha, depicted on the, on the tablet, indicates the wealth that Hayes' voyages carried, which included 1,000 pieces of gold, 5,000 pieces of silver, 50 rolls of embroidered silk, 50 rolls of silk taffeta in many colors, incense burners, gold stands, candles, vases, and much more. In 2004, some ports such as Singapore and Samarang recognized the 600th anniversary of the voyages. During the same year, British writer Gavin Menzies wrote the book 1421, the year China discovered America, claiming that a smaller fleet from Hayes' sixth voyage sailed around the Cape of Good Hope, across the Atlantic to the Americas, and back to China. But little evidence exists to back up these claims. Still, Zheng He's voyages vastly increased geographic knowledge by a selected group of political nobility, but he also those he had contact with throughout Asia and the Middle East. His advances in shipbuilding and navigation technology would influence the future of settlement and exploration around the world. And that, folks, is a bit about Zheng He, Voyaging from East to West, as part of our Thinking Spatially podcast series. Your host, Joseph Kursky here, wishing you a very spatial day. Thanks.